Rooted in Revenue with your host today, Susan Finch. Hey, Susan Finch here. My guest today is Jason Beck of NRX. We are diving right into our conversation from the moment he showed up on Riverside FM to record this with me. We just started talking. So you might need to catch up a little bit. We're going to be talking about driving the flywheel, niche approaches, knowing thyself, playing to your strengths, basically being in awe of what others are fantastic at. Join us for this episode. Just enjoying the growing process and providing value to others as well as trying to, you know, a big focus for mine going into this quarter and into 2022, Susan, is to really uh, be in awe of what other people are fantastic at versus trying to push them to get better at what they're not right you, you be there you be there for others including your customers and your internal employees be there for others to do what you do great and let them lean on you but really be in awe of what they do really well right and and, and I think that's a, a great point there's so many times that we um, we talk about niche marketing and specialty boutiques oh yeah and how they can survive in different things. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're playing to their strengths, their joy, rather than saying, well, I gotta be good at everything. And, oh, this is my weak spot. I wanna work on that. Well, let somebody else do that. Couldn't agree more. It's interesting. And when you look at different companies out there, so I've had a friend who has done something similar to what I'm doing in retail energy, but he chose to do this same big, hairy, audacious goal in commercial and insurance. It's one of those things when you talk about niche, niche marketing, right? Niche marketing, niche, however you want to pronounce that appropriately. It is about finding a market that's sizable enough to accomplish whatever your monetary goals are. You know, I think that's the unfortunate part of, you know, where I am at. There is a total addressable market. We can continue to try to expand that, but it's different. Insurance is a trillion, double trillion dollar industry versus energy's 200 billion, just in comparison, right? So. Right. Picking your niche, I think, depends on what your overall monetary goals are for the board and the people and et cetera, the investors that you have lined up. But yes, when you are focused on niche, it no matter what niche you're focused on, you need to be really good at delivering for that target audience, right? Yes. Yep. And then specialty approaches is kind of why I wanted to talk to you anyway. Please. I've been following you since you were on with Chris and Corey. Because that's how I got to know you. I get to know a lot of people through them, so through market dominance guys. And so when I had originally approached you, this was several months ago, you know, hey folks, let, let's, let's start this properly. This is Susan Finch and I'm here today on Rooted in Revenue and I am visiting with Jason Beck. He's a vice president of sales at NRX. Woo! NRX, if you don't know, is Retail Energy's trusted data platform. It provides secure connectivity to the entire value chain. And I mean the brokers, suppliers, agents, customers, utilities to drive efficient transactions. And they encourage others to, hey, let's start this up yourself and let's support you so you can do it too, to break up the monopoly of power. And their flagship service, what is it? Sparkplug, is that still your flagship service? It is, yes, yeah, spot on, Susan. And what a great introduction, I appreciate you greatly. Excited to be here, thanks for having me on again. Love talking about these thought leadership type of uh, opportunities. And yes, Sparkplug is the uh, flagship product. It is our broker-facing product. It is the CRM workflow automation tool for anybody who wants to be in retail energy. Now, retail energy is expanding, so our definition, again, right, of our 
niche is expanding as well as we expand our services. It was originally focused on those brokers that were focused on electricity and natural gas brokerage. And now we're extending it to, as a, as a lot of your listeners probably know, community solar is becoming a big thing. Solar in general, right, with Biden's plan, will become more of a topic of conversation over the next couple of years. In fact, I just heard from a friend that I follow that solid state batteries are a real thing and they are close in it. For those of you who don't know, and I don't know much about it either, but solid state batteries versus the lithium ion on our phone, just imagine that they can charge in probably a tenth of the, tenth of the time and they stay charged for a duration of up to 25 years. So. And do they need cobalt? Yeah, see, these are the things I don't know. Probably not, right? And that's one of the benefits, right? Because that's a limited. Yeah, definitely. So true. And so energy is going to be a trend, right? For the for the rest of time, it is something that we need to do better as a society to prepare for the next generation, right? So this is what I'm focused on in my life is really being being part of this energy transition. So anyway, but yes, yeah, Sparkplug's still the flagship. Having said that, we made an acquisition last year that was lucky in some ways, but also could not have worked out better and it has allowed us to provide more value to more suppliers, and then it starts just driving this flywheel. It's called a two-sided market. If you're going into niche anything, niche marketing, niche groups, it's important to have two groups, right, to focus on, not just one. So you're niching in an industry, not to just a particular group, if you wanted to have a business that expands, because there's a lot of theories in this about driving the flywheel a lot of business books talk about, Right, And if you only have one customer base, you can't really drive the flywheel. But in our world, right, more brokers drives more suppliers, more suppliers drives more brokers. And then as you continue, they just both drive each other and it's just a revolving circle. And I always think that's important when you're trying to build a business. I find that in most segments, most markets, whatever you want to dominate, there's actually room for more than one because there are so many very specific areas that you can just totally dominate. And this brings me back to why I wanted to have you on because I see you as a person who pushes out and encourages behavior to change old habits, old ways, and to try and bring not only our own teams along, but our clients and our prospects and our strategic partners to keep moving forward so we don't stay stuck in the old ways. I ran across an article that just made me laugh because you and I were talking about Tin Men yes, a few months yes. ago. <laughs> Car- and Car- there's actually, guys, there, I'll put the link in the post, but there is a list of movies that all salespeople should watch. And I'm sure most of you have watched or heard of most of them, but there were a few on there that surprised me that you can't find right now. They kind of hit and miss on Netflix and Amazon and stuff. But I'm going to run through the list really quick. Please. Because it's all, I just think it's a fun list. So let's start with Used Cars with Kurt Russell. Yeah, okay. Jerry Maguire, of course. You have to. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. Sure. Death of a Salesman, 1985 version. Yep. Oh, I didn't know. From Arthur Miller's world-renowned play that most people have seen on stage, or maybe you haven't. Have you ever seen this on stage? No. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to see Death of a Salesman on stage, you know, it depends on who's playing Willie Loman, but <laughs> who very powerful performances. Cool. Moneyball. Yeah, awesome one. Seize the day with Robin Williams. As we know, Robin Williams had some hits and he had some dogs. This is supposed to be a very vulnerable movie though. So I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot. In Pursuit of Happiness. Happiness misspelled. 
intentionally, H-A-P-P-Y-N-E-S-S. Tin Men, of course. And if you have a strong stomach, Glengarry Glen Ross. You have to. Not, I mean, you got to win. Everybody. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> Always Ooh. be selling. <laughs> I know, but it can be a tough one, you know. And if you, and if that's an easy one for you, then you know, back back it up with Reservoir Dogs later. But let's stay with the sales numbers. <laughs> um, Tommy Boy. Interesting. Tommy Boy's a fun Tommy Boy is like, wow. That's such a fun one for the audience to be like. You know, if you watch that without just looking for a sense of humor, which is one of the funniest movies that I've uh, watched. But if you look at it from the actual salesman approach, there's a lot of great lessons in there for salespeople. I mean, more so more so than one might imagine. So that's a good one. And it's, again, that vulnerable side. Look at it. Try and look at it from a different perspective. It is interesting. Diamond Men. Mm, I don't know if you've heard no, of that. No, that one I haven't seen, Diamond Men. Okay. Lord of War. Which, uh, Lord of War, if I remember right, that was with Nicolas Cage. So, woo, he's another, can be a kiss of death in a movie, and sometimes he's good. <laughs> Love and other drugs. Here's one I want to see very much, The Big Kahuna. Okay. And it has a lot to do with selling from the heart. Mm. And it's some great lessons in that one, but it's not available right now. So, we're going to be looking for that and put that on our watch list. And the final one is the goods, live hard, sell hard. Hmm. Okay. I hope you make that list. I mean, I, I'll be sharing the heck out of this when this is published. So I hope to share that list with along with the, you know, the readings. So this one, this is awesome. And some of those I've watched and some of those I read a note for. And we got a fun time coming up over the holiday break. Uh, and I hope a lot of people I'm, are listening. Yep. Yeah. Filter them if you are watching with family. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very true. What are the NSFW, right? Not suitable for work. So... No. <laughs> be mindful of that especially if you're on teams calls and you get it playing in the background so <laughs> uh, no but that's interesting but it is... selling from the heart thing i think that's a when, when you list it off some of the movies at least the ones that i've watched about half of those you know that is you'll notice a lot of the transition that people go, went through throughout yes. that is to uh realize how much more powerful their words were when they actually believed what the heck that they were saying and doing and it wasn't because somebody else told them to do it, it was because they believed it themselves that's the conclusion that they drew right that's a, i think that's a tough part about salespeople in general is is that you have two classes in my opinion of salespeople. you have those that and and by the way neither is more important than the other so i don't want to say two classes is in one is subservient to the other not at all right different people want to take different opportunities but there's those salespeople that want to lead and be in front and those salespeople that just want to sell deals and have a job and make quota continuously and have a good job and have a great family and all that stuff leadership is not for everybody and those though that want to take it on this is the challenge that you have to take on you have to take on the ownership and the weight of literally making other people being the pied piper right being the one that others look at and say wow that guy really believes in what he's saying. And not don't fake it. You can't, by the way. It's impossible. If you're going to try to fake it, don't. Stop while, stop while you're ahead. Do not try to fake it. If you don't believe in it, don't believe in it and move on. You can't force yourself to believe in it, and you can't force others to believe in you. But if you really do believe in something and see a better path and way, hang on to it. I, I feel like a big majority of our early... Um, for those that don't know, um, you know, uh, scaling up, right? You have uh, marketing now is talking about this too. You have four phases of customers in a growth cycle, right? You have your innovators, you have your early adopters, you have your late adopters, and you have your laggards, right? Four quadrants of customers. And those innovators, how else do you think you can get innovators on board when you don't have a tangible thing to sell but a dream? 
it's because you got to believe in it as a salesperson, right? So that is, that is table stakes to get innovators on board. Once you get innovators, there is the aspect of continuing the dream while starting to deliver. So you have to, as a salesperson, you're counting on your delivery teams to deliver and bring the product along to show progress. But then you're out ahead and you're selling to the early adopters. Now the early adopters are gonna be a little bit tougher. They're not just gonna do it because you got them excited and they see a big shiny object. They really need to understand the tangible value that it is going to bring to them. They might not have needed to see somebody else prove it out yet, but they're going to do a whole nother level of questions. So again, you can't fake that. You have to believe in your team. You have to believe in the ability to deliver. You have to believe in the vision, all those things. And I, I do think that is really you know, appropriate, Susan, based on your list, that that is, that is a table stakes for a salesperson that wants to be a leader. What I see though, and there are enough bad apples out there, old ways of thinking, there's still some companies that still teach sales that old way. Guys, if your goal to get into sales is to be able to pull one over on people and to see what you can get away with and see how well you can fake and act, go join a local theater group instead, please. <laughs> quit, quit tarnishing the reputation of legitimate, helpful, wonderful salespeople that truly wanted the difference. There was a line from the Big Kahuna, and I love this. It said, it doesn't matter whether you're selling Jesus or Buddha or civil rights or how to make money in real estate with no money down. It, it doesn't make you a human being. It makes you a marketing rep. If you wanna to talk to somebody honestly, as a human being, ask them about their kids. Find out what their dreams are. Just find out. And not faking it because we can all smell that. And if not, two things are gonna happen. Great, you get your win at faking it. Woohoo! You know, that's so easy you're to take advantage close. of unsuspecting people. Yeah, you're one close. Gosh, it's sickening. <laughs> And the other thing is you're going to end up with a customer that is not somebody you would want for life. Don't we want our customers sure. for life? Even if they change companies, when they go to the new gig, we want them to say, hey, I remember this rep and the thing they had, and I need them again. That brings up a really interesting other topic is, is selling, selling for the life cycle versus selling for the transaction. And you're right. That difference in that salesperson that you just described, one that actually connects with another human and understands who they are, why that, hey, I bet everybody on this who is listening, taking the time to listen to a podcast can agree with this statement. We are all individually a makeup of our life experiences to date, the mentors that we've had, the people that we've listened to, and our own thoughts and opinions. We're all individuals in that sense. And so in that case, if you're gonna talk to somebody else and sell them or have a conversation to convince them that what you do is good for them, don't you want to know how they got to be who they are and where they are? Of course you do, right? And that's how you will deepen that connection. But in that case, you're not focused on the transaction. Get away from focusing on the transaction. The transaction, now, is that to say don't ask for the clothes or all the other things that they teach you down the road in sales? Absolutely not. You have to be, what people ask me, Jason, why do you think you're successful? I can tell you why I think I'm successful and I can tell you why other people think I'm successful. And they're both important, right? The things that they see and the things that they don't see that I'm doing consciously to try to get them to sell. Well, the unconscious thing is persistence. It's just something I innately have. I love driving to the next step. I, I'm a, if you've done the DISC profile assessment, right? Myers-Briggs, there's other ones out there, but I do DISC. I'm a high, the highest D you can imagine, 
right? So of course I drive, that is innate to me, that's easy. But so other people see persistence, which is great, and you need that, you need to ask for the close. But if you don't do that high eye in the disc profile, which is the interpersonal skills, getting somebody to understand who you are, you understanding who they are, you're selling for a transaction, you're not selling for the life cycle. And that is only going to lead to one of two things, you being in a short-term job, right? Because eventually you won't meet quota with that. And secondly, you might be setting your company up for failure. You've sold something to get a transaction closed, but then your delivery team isn't gonna be able to deliver exactly on the value that you promised, right? And that will be like you said, Susan, it will be a customer that you don't want around for life. If you're doing NPS scoring, they're probably gonna become a detractor. For those who know NPS, detractors are zero through six. Seven through eight are neutral, nine through 10 are promoters, right? A six, I, I rate stuff a six all the time when I'm not happy, five, six, right? It's like, to me, that's mediocre. Well, in a net promoter score, and that's what we're all trying to do here with our customer base, we're trying to help them get to a place where they wanna tell others about our product, sell for me. What's the best way for me to sell more product? Have others do it for me, because I'm only one person and I only have 24 hours in a day, right? I wish I had more, that would be pretty cool, right? Just expand the day, solve all of our problems, but you can't. It's time. So time is a value. And so I see that as a really good way to get people right to be a promoter is to not mess up and just sell on a transaction, but really explain to them all of what they're going to go through when they actually make this transaction and sale. And if you've done that pre-work, Susan, like you talked about, which is developing the relationship, understanding their background, what's happened to them that makes them scared of doing this transaction, right? What in, in your past, what, is, what are you fearful of? Also, why are we still talking? If we're still talking, there's something I said, there's something you saw that you liked. And that thing, I need to know what that is because I wanna tell my delivery team, this is the value that they're counting on, deliver on this or they're not gonna be happy. That's setting the rest of my team up outside of sales, post-sale for success. So anyway, you know me, I can get on a diatribe here for a long time. <laughs> I love talking about it. this is really cool and I hope it's uh, beneficial for others to, understand some of these yeah. thinking thoughts hey, guys i want you to go to marketdominanceguys.com too and look up his name up at the top under archives and it'll say jason beck there's one episode in particular i'm not the salesperson your mother warned you about try not to be. and it, yeah you try not to be but i also want to talk about it's a decision that anybody getting into sales nobody's going to hear this thought process in your head folks answer that question. Do you want to be transactional or do you want it to be a lifetime relationship? And there is no wrong answer, but you need to know because that will determine where you should be and your approach. I remember when Tom and I got married, we had a very small budget, teeny tiny budget. And I mean, that was it for the whole wedding. That was everything, ring, dresses, flowers, you name it. That's that was what we had. I like it. And as we were putting this together with our priests though, you know, he said, I don't care what day, just pick the day and you guys can get married. I don't care. We'll just open up the church. So, okay, fine. Cause he was so happy we were actually doing it. And, but he asked, he said, I need to know, are you going to be the honored guest or the gracious host? Mm. And there is no wrong answer, but no. it changes everything. It does. It does. It does. You're right. The, it changes how, you know, the approach, it changes the day of, it changes what you're trying to accomplish. Right. This is the knowledge of understanding the problem before you actually start pitching solutions. 
Right, and it changed everything that we planned out mm -hmm. because we, we were the hosts, we were the gracious hosts and made sure everybody felt that welcoming that it truly wasn't about us. They could witness what we were doing, but we were celebrating them for supporting us. Right. And so in sales, it's not a lot different. Yeah, it's a very, you know, the celebrated star of the show, the bell of the ball, whatever it is, you're transactional. Know that about yourself though, and own it. Yeah. And if you don't like that about yourself, when you have that answer, work to change it, talk to others, follow others, subscribe. You don't have to connect with everybody on LinkedIn guys. You know, I know you all think you have to scoop up all these people to add them to your fold, follow them, comment, read what other people say about them learn from the best of the best and the most respected and see how they speak. How do they talk? How do others perceive them? And if you like that, let them quietly mentor you without even their knowing it Yeah. and change. Yeah. You can. That's so, it's so interesting. And you know, a little self-reflection here at coming back to your comment, by the way, there's a huge place in this world for those that want to be transactional. It's just, first off, you need to know thyself and know that that's who you are. You need to then communicate to, to your manager because listen, if I have an all-star on my team that's just a, somebody who knocks sales out of the parks in terms of results, right? In terms of flat numeric results, but yet I can see the wake that they're causing behind their boat, that's okay. I can manage around that. I put a team of people around there that are gonna be in the room with him when he's selling, technical sales experts, CS representatives signing off on SOWs. I can do what I need to do as a manager if I know who that person is. And then there is the salespeople that want to be leaders, right? And sell through relationships and build up more, grow and, and get beyond themselves. And so personally, that's always who I've wanted to be. I'm, I have some, Things I can point to and go, yeah, yeah, no, I am that. And then I can point to some things like, man, do I got a lot of growing to, to do, right? <laughs> Which is good. And I hope I'm always in that mode, low ego, love. And, but let, let, me, let me respond to that. I can tell you as somebody who wants to be that person who has the opportunity to lead and to have others follow, that it brings me the most immense amount of joy in my life when I get somebody who followed, who maybe listens to this and goes, you know, Man, that was, I took away this one thing. It's like, I was able to help you? Oh my God, I'm, I, that's all I care about in my personality type. You just made my day, right? And I think that yeah. people that are trying to be out there to be in the limelight for the right reasons, and I would argue that the right reason is for others, not for yourself, just my personal opinion. That feedback and that, you know, seeing your follower number increase or getting a little note of appreciation or any of that. It's just, man, it makes you want to do more. It really does. And I think that's how people are allowed to do what they want to do and lead other people because there's other people that are willing to follow them. And it's okay to be a leader and a follower. I'm a follower of a whole bunch of people. I love learning and following others, right? But if those people that want to be, if they want to be leaders, other people following them, it is a huge part of that benefit. And I, I think you should do that, right? Take the time to like, to follow, to, to retweet, et cetera. Even if it's just a sign of encouragement for somebody else, if it's something of value. And then hopefully the ones that want to be there for just the limelight purposes, those will weed themselves out, right? Because those are the ones that aren't getting followed and liked and retweeted and all those things, right? But if it adds value, yeah, take the time to do that. It's, it's as speaking of somebody who wants to be in that uh, position, it's really important to me. So I'm giving you all some homework. I want you to follow only. Do not connect. 
follow first. Show that you are loyal, that you are kind, that you are of value. Follow those people. And when you reshare their things, don't just give the thumbs up. Put a comment. App mention some people that you know, not just people that you think, oh, I want them to notice me. Some people you think it would actually help and tell them why you are sharing it. That's what everybody forgets to do. Why are you sharing this? Why do I need to look at this? Because that adds to your value. And it's okay that we're saying, and Jason said this, you said, it makes me feel so good when they comment or whatever it is, but it's, there's a difference. It makes you feel good because that means, oh good, I'm going to do more of that because that was helpful to someone. It wasn't, oh good, they noticed me, woohoo, yay me. There's that difference. And so it's, why are you sharing it? And when somebody does share it, why does that feel good? For me, I'm like you. We have that advocate heart, that servant's heart. Mm -hmm. And I know you, that about you. Certainly. I know that about Chris and Corey. I know that about the people in that circle of folks, the Orrin Claffs, the Cheryl Turners, all of them. I know you guys. And that's the root of who you are. It's fun to win. It's fun to knock it out of the park. But you guys are advocates at heart. Yeah. If it's at the detriment of others, I don't want to do it, is really what it comes nope. to, right? And so I have plenty of examples too, but I, all salespeople, I'd ask you to challenge yourself with thinking back to a time where you made a sale, successfully by the way, but then the customer didn't feel at some point that what you said to them and what you promised is what they're actually getting. So basically they question your integrity. It's typical, right? This isn't about you, this is about them. It's about both of you. Communication is two ways. You could have tried to communicate something a certain way and they heard what they wanted to hear. Now, I'd argue that in any communication, it's always both of you. <laughs> it's, it's never just one. It's not just one thing. It's not one thing that can be corrected. And if both people go into that conversation with the openness and willingness to understand the part that they played, man, great compromises can be achieved, right? But winding back here for a second, I, I challenge every salesperson to think about that to think about that time and, and, and how did you feel? And I would argue, if you're trying to answer that question, am I transactional or not? If you felt bad, you actually are trying to serve for the customer of the life cycle. If you said, F this guy or the girl and why didn't they uh, understand what I said or, or, oh, my favorite, no, it's my delivery team. They didn't do what they said they were gonna do. Come on, like, again, you're just not taking your part in the customer life cycle, and then you are transactional. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to state openly, I am a transactional salesperson. I am really good at it. I'm gonna be an all-star transactional sales. Fantastic, I need those people, come sign up. I'm, I'm here, I'm hiring next year, so come on, right? I need both of those types of people. But to know thyself and know what you are, that's a pretty easy way to think about that, is if you actually cared and you wanted to make it right, and you tried to better understand what the customer was feeling and jump in there and to solve the problem, you're a life cycle salesperson. If you didn't really care or blame it on others, that's gonna make you more transactional in nature. It's a good way to, I don't know if that, what do you think, Susan? Is that a good way to think about it? It is, but you brought something up earlier about the sales manager's role. Mm -hmm. To know their reps, inside and outside reps. Yeah. And it's okay to have the people that hit it out of the park, but support them to support the customer by adding the extra people to say, okay, thanks. Okay, we'll take it from here. Okay, I'm gonna go get another one. Go get another sale. You go down there. We're gonna finish here and continue here yes. and continue that relationship 
and maybe we will transition them to somebody else later or something but let that person keep knocking out of the park but it is the sales manager's responsibility to know that person well enough and to have that open dialogue for that kind of honesty yeah so that and to play to their strengths that's right and and so that right so that they can play to their strengths but also typical if you're managing a team of salespeople, that means likely that like in the position i'm in now where I have other leaders that are responsible for other parts of that life cycle of a customer. And you gotta rely on them and trust them. And I'm pretty lucky I have two all-stars. <laughs> so I'm a very lucky person and we have a great leadership team, Olivia and Karen, if you're watching, you know I love you so much. So, uh, you know, thinking about this from a different perspective, which is that what you talked about there is also a tipping point that somebody's gonna grow through. If you're, an, if you're a salesperson and you're starting off your own business, right? You're gonna be more entrepreneurial in nature, build your own business. You are gonna wear every single hat across that delivery chain. Now, but realize if you don't do what Susan's saying, know what you're good at, know what you're not good at so you can hire others. The goal of scaling any business is to accomplish enough to get to that next stage. And that next stage is then building out the capabilities of the team to better support your growing list of customers. And that really does start with knowing thyself, what you're great at, what you can get deeper on. Some of us are entrepreneurs. We like to wear multiple hats, that's great. As you scale up a business, your role becomes more narrow and deeper, right? Now, you can control what you get more narrow and what you get more deep at. That's the cool part about being an entrepreneur, right? You can control that. But I think it's an interesting dynamic you mentioned you know, yes, if you're in a group where it's a team of people and you have another set of people that's a delivery team, if you have that luxury, it is key. And if you're wondering why you're not scaling up, it's likely because you haven't figured it out yet and you have your salespeople in too far in the process. Yeah. In big companies, I don't know any big company out there that I know of, and I'm happy to hear examples if people want to comment and share so I can read and be knowledgeable, but I don't know of any company, bigger company examples that have the sales team mixed into the delivery process. Once they sell, they've sold, right? Now it's important for them to bring their other departments and the delivery team early into the sales cycle, but shoot, there's a lot of big companies that the salesperson, once they actually make the initial contact, they start bringing in technical sales experts. They don't even do demos. Maybe one day I will get to a point where I don't do any demo. With our new product, by the way, the new product we acquired this year, I actually have somebody who's technical sales. It was like, oh, it, to me, it was like, oh, I am in love right now. This is amazing because I don't mind demoing, but I'm also, remember my personality profile, I force being detail oriented. I do it because I know I'm bad at it. So having a technical salesperson, and that's, again, this is scaling up. It's having those people knowing what you're good at and then having the people do these things that only they're uniquely good at. Be in awe of what others are fantastic about at, right? And utilize them. So. There's a lot of good nuggets in there about scaling up and, and going forward. But, I mean, this has been this has been great. Growing the nature of you know the thought process and being open to other ideas. I think it's the only way we really grow as human beings. And so I I love this opportunity to think about this with you a little bit further. Well, thanks for joining me, folks. Go follow Jason Beck on LinkedIn. Please would love to see this smiley face. He is the one with Enrex, and you want to follow that company too, because they will inspire you to think differently and to think bigger about the way you think things used to be. And it'll expand your thoughts. And 
like he said, he might have some opportunities for some of you to come onto his team. Gonna be a crazy good year. I'll say that, you know, follow us too. We have some really cool announcements coming out Q1, uh, working on a quite a big deal. Should be game changing for our industry. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, I, again, just appreciate comments too. Differences in opinions, as long as they're approached the right way in the issue, discuss, solve type of solution, right? I encourage that banter. It's appreciative. And so if you have difference of views and opinions or you wanted to just reach out and talk about it, you know, feel free. I'm always here to talk. Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. Folks, it's been Susan Finch on Rooted in Revenue, rootedinrevenue.com. Find us in all your favorite podcast venues. And also follow our other shows, including Market Dominance, guys, where you will see episodes with Jason Beck that were fantastic. And you just get to know him more. You're going to yeah. like it. And hey, if you're looking for podcasts and knowing how to grow one's brand, you can't do better than Susan. We've had communications oh. here for the last four to six months. And I mean, these are spirited discussions. We're all in this for helping others. And through that, yeah. businesses will grow because... People want to work with good people, and you're a great person. So I appreciate you, Susan. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Folks, you can find me, too, on LinkedIn. You can find me, Susan, at FunnelRadio.com. There's so many ways to reach me. Just Google me. If I, if I come up as blonde, that's not me. That's my friend in New York, the voice coach, Susan E. Finch. You need the one with the salt and pepper hair and the, the big grin and the wild the wild glasses. So. The cool wild glasses. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much. <laughs> this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Bye. Never miss an episode? Check out rootedinrevenue.com and subscribe on the site to get weekly updates of when new episodes come out. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. We want to be where you are, so go subscribe. We'll get you all the information you need to do your best with marketing of events and your online presence.